Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. Uh, this is our third episode. My name's Ben. And I'm still Hector. <laughs> how you doing, Hector? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we had uh, we had Easter this last weekend, so, uh, you know, how uh, how was that for you? It was okay. So what did I do on Easter? My, um, my mother-in-law, who's very much the matriarch, was out of town. And so uh, um, everyone in my family was working, and it made me a little bit sad because all my family's back in England. So I decided to uh, tie on the apron and make everyone dinner. Nice. And so it was pretty good in the end. Made nice. it, made a, a nice dinner for everybody, and we sat around a table for 10 minutes, which is what that kind of thing's all about, if you ask me. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have your pants on? <laughs> <laughs> I never have my pants on when I cook. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> we better never. introduce Vince real quick. We have Vince Flora here with us today. How you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. it's a pleasure. What do you do for um, Easter? Uh, just, just same thing, man. Just had some family over, cooked and stuff. And uh, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't cook. You know, my my wife cooked and my sister cooked and everybody else cooked. I just, I just ate. I ate a lot. But I do have a quick, a quick, uh, funny uh, Easter story for you. Um, yeah. Many, many years ago, when my kids were uh, a lot smaller. Um, City of West Palm Beach used to do these uh, these big Easter egg hunts and stuff, and um, and so we went to one of them at one of the local parks, and um, we 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 went there, and the kids were doing their Easter egg hunt and stuff, and then all of a sudden somebody came out in this giant Easter you know uh, Easter bunny outfit you know like suit bunny suit, and they came out and they're hopping along or whatever, and it happened to be that it was my niece. She worked for for the city and stuff for um, for the parks and rec thing, and. Uh, um, <laughs> She she came up and my daughter I want to say she was like three or four and my daughter was real hesitant you know with the Easter bunny was so big and everything she was real hesitant and stuff so my niece in her infinite wisdom thought that she was gonna take her her bunny head off and show her that she was who she was and she takes the bunny head off and my daughter breaks out crying hysterically terrified and she starts crying my, my niece's name is Tabitha and my right. daughter starts crying the Easter bunny ate Tabitha <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, great. so that's yeah funny. so that was my uh that that was my Easter uh, uh, you know fun story for, <laughs> for. I don't think I ever believed in the Easter Bunny. I think I think my parents tried to make me believe in it, but I'm pretty sure Father Christmas for sure. I, I, I think yeah. my parents told me that we ate the Easter Bunny at one point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we grew up eating rabbit stew. Yeah, uh, where I'm from. So <laughs> yeah, rabbits and squirrels. So we, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so we have Vince Floor here today. Um, welcome, Vince. Thank you. Um, Vince is a a stalwart of. Uh, the Jupiter music scene, um, both as a musician and an event promoter and club owner, and um, without him, avid, avid bike rider and avid bike rider. <laughs> yeah. Without him, I think a lot, a lot, a lot of With fantastic bands yes. wouldn't have played down here. It's a very important part of the musical community, so we had to have him on. I'm glad um, we got you on early. It's fantastic cool. that you're here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Um, so, uh, I guess. Um, I have a bunch of questions that I ask everybody, and and one of the things that I was wondering is, you know, did I need to doctor them because you're a uh, sort of a, at this point, you could say principally a, a club owner, um, but uh, you're also a very accomplished musician, so I feel like the the questions still apply. And the first question I have is, why why did you start first playing music? Can, what was the thing that got uh, you into it? Well, right it's funny. That's funny you ask me. I, my um in New Jersey, I grew up uh, in a little town called Barrington, and uh, I was about 200 boys, 200 girls in my school, my, my grade school. So I was in third grade, and the um, the New Jersey State Choir was coming around looking for um, for kids to sing in the choir. And they uh, brought us all to the piano. And I, at that point, I had never sang before. I mean, you know, hummed or whatever. It never really sang. So... Uh, <laughs> 
Anyway, they bring me to the piano and make me sing a scale, and then they modulate it, and they do all these things, try to trick me, yeah. you know, and um, I followed them, I guess, to the T, and um, so, you know, a few weeks went by, and my mother called me and said that the choir had selected me to be the, to be in the choir. They were my, I was their first choice out of the, all the boys in my school. Oh, fantastic. So it was myself yeah, and awesome. another girl. Um, so my mom says, you know, you, you're going to sing in the choir? I said, oh, no, Mom, I'm not singing in the choir. That's gay. <laughs> back then it was like 19 uh was this let me see uh probably 75 and um you know you could use the word gay um so anyway we it, my mom said Vinny, you're going my mom was tough she was a real tough she had five boys by the time she was 21 and she didn't take any shit from anybody so she uh she said Vinny, you're gonna go sing in this choir and um you're gonna try it <laughs> and that's it and then, yeah. you know, if you don't like it after a while, we'll talk about it. She says, but, you, you know, this is a great opportunity if you've been selected. This guy says you are good. So I did. I sang in the choir for six months. My mother drove me from Barrington to Trenton, which is about an hour ride every week on a Wednesday night for two hours. And she sat with me. My mother had three jobs at the time. Yeah. So she had Jesus. four, bo- five boys. And she took the time to do this every Wednesday night. And um, I ended up being a soloist in the in the choir. Right. Within like three months, I was doing <laughs> all the solos. Yeah. So and then and the choir was singing German arias, you know, French, all different uh, languages, oh, and wow. I was actually learning, you know, music and language at the same time. Sure. And uh, and and intervals, um, which was really probably the most helpful part was learning intervals. Yeah, and, and I did on, this um, too. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't realize what I was learning at the time, you know, so, but I, it really was important to me sure. uh, and, and instrumental with my career. <clears throat> and then my, um, my great grandmother had 13 brothers and sisters. They were from Virginia and they were uh, like real Southern, you know, rednecks, whatever you want to call them, hillbillies. Okay. <laughs> um, so they all played instruments, banjos, you know, gut bucket, oh, you know, cool. fiddle. My great grandma played the spoons. Oh, really? So she every Sunday we'd go to my great grandma's house for for uh, for Sunday dinner, and um, we'd go there about one o'clock after church, and then uh, she would play the spoons, and I she'd always give me her uh, her husband, my great grandpa's harmonica, so right. I'd play the harmonica, she'd play the spoons, and oh, cool. she used to wear like an old muumuu, and she'd hike, hike it up and play it on her leg, you know, and, oh, and it was hilarious, and you know that's amazing. So <laughs> that's how you know I really got into music. I think it was the family kind of. You know, my great-grandfather on my father's side was from Italy. Yeah. He played harmonica, and he played um, accordion. Yeah. So I had my great-grandfather's harmonica from Italy, my great-grandfather's harmonica from Virginia. Right. So uh, wow. they were – my great-grandfather's harmonica from Italy was, was a stacked um, accordion-style harmonica where it had – it played, you know, a, like an octave. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was two holes – I don't know what they call the damn thing. It's called a chromatica, I think. Okay, yeah. It's not yeah. a chromatic harmonica, where you can actually change the pitch with the uh, with the lever. Right. But it, it's like twenty holes, and there's they're stacked. Right. It sounds like an accordion. Wow. So I play really his cool. once in a while. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's so funny when someone plays the harmonica. You always favor certain notes if you're not real accomplished, or even sure. if you are, sure. you favor certain notes. Like a guitar, you yeah. can see where the guy played. Yeah. Well, the harmonica when you play it, the notes that are favored by the player before you. You can always kind of tell those notes because the harmonica is much easier to play on those notes. The reeds are broken in more. Yeah, so you can yeah. almost kind of play what they played right. to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can feel it. You know, So yeah. that was pretty cool. It got me interested in harmonica and music, and that's kind of where I started really. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, um, a friend of mine was asking me about harmonicas the other day, and I, and I immediately thought of you because um, – 
there aren't that many people around who are really uh, very good at it. And it's 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 it's, it's in a way it's like seeing because it's so it's so it's become, almost becomes a part of your body. You know what I mean? It's right up in there in your mouth, yeah. and it's very visceral. And um, uh, do you do you have any kind of particular makes of harmonica that you favor, or is it just a qu- kind of a question of like you know well, honer of playing? When I first started, I mean, I just played what I could get my hands on, you know, because um, a lot of times you know blowing notes out left and right because you're favoring notes and stuff. So you know, I played everything honers, you know, and all that stuff. And as I got a little more into it, I started buying better quality harmonicas. Yeah. Okay. So I used the Suzuki uh, Manjis. Um, they're really good. They're about $60 a piece. Yeah. So you go, there's about, you can buy like 40 different harmonicas. So if you have every one, you know, you're looking at a couple thousand dollars worth of sure. harmonicas, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've got all kinds of harmonicas now, little ones, big ones, different brands and stuff. But right now I play these little seven-hole, tiny little harmonicas. They're right. made by Seidel, which is a German company. And, okay. You know, the better quality ones are, you know, easier to play, but... As you get older and as you get more into it, you know, you start to realize that a, a better quality instrument, you know, when you use it, just like a guitar. Or right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah drums. for sure. So, and I always, always like to buy the, be- the better stuff because so, it lasts longer. And as yeah. you get older, you start to figure that stuff out. <laughs> so with um, harmonicas, do, are you at a point, are they inherently disposable or can, or can you you know, change parts out. Of, or when they break, do you just get another one or do you have to... You, you can change parts on some of them, right. um, but, you know, a lot of times you just buy another one. Right, yeah. That's why. I You thought. know, um, <coughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really blow harmonicas up like I used to blow them up when I first started, you know. Yeah. When you blow them up when you, when you first start, it's because you're using the same, in you know, the same phrasing or the same scale or the same run yeah. over and over and That's you're me. overblowing <laughs> on a note, you know, and yeah, then yeah. that note goes, you know. Yeah. Um, you can fix it. There's guys that can do it. You know, you have to bend the reed and all that crap, but right. I just get another one. And then, of course, you get so much Jack Daniels in there and, <laughs> yeah. and chicken pieces <laughs> that just, just chicken like, wings. sticks the, yeah, the yeah. thing together. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Who would you say you're really... Um, in, what, in, who, who are your influences in general, would you say, musically? Who, people uh, who excited you when you first got into music? Well, my father was a, um, a doo-wop singer, and he sang like a fire barrel type singing around a corner, a harmony, almost yeah. like a barbershop quartet, but the Italian version of that. You yeah. know? Okay. You know, and um, we always listened to you know, stuff like Frankie Lyman and the Four Tops and the OJs and cool. Hollow Notes. <clears throat> and, um, I'm from Philadelphia, so we listened to a lot of that old blue-eyed soul R&B stuff that came from that area. Yeah. So, and my father always had the oldie station on in the car. My mother did. My mother was a phenomenal singer. So was my dad. Right. They both had amazing pitch. I remember yeah. listening to them. I was like, God, my mother could sing. She could sing in any band, you know? Yeah. And my father was really good, too. So, I mean, that was a big, you know, influence for me, you know, listening to all that um, oldie stuff from the 50s, you know, and stuff like that. And even Frank Sinatra, you know, um, and uh, Dean Martin and stuff, because right. that was always on, in, you know, for Christmas, you know. Sure. Um, so you know, I, I, I was a big influence. And then as I got older, you know, say the 12, 13, 14, I started listening to classic rock. Right. So and then I got into some blues. So listening to The Doors and the Rolling Stones' yeah. first yeah. album, which was all blues, you yeah. know. And The Doors' albums were all blues. Yeah. You know, they all stole all that, you know, or borrowed all the old. Muddy Waters stuff and Willie Dixon stuff and all yeah. that. So then, you know, I started listening to Willie Dixon because of that. You know, okay. listening to uh, Little Walter because he was a harmonica player. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know what your route into the blues was, and it, it, it makes sense it would be through that kind of early yeah. classic rock. Yeah, 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 classic rock, and then the bridge from that. You know, knowing that they used a lot of those songs and they became famous because of those songs and remaking them. You know. Yeah. So that was kind of what got me playing that, and then the blues was was easy to play. So that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of fun as well. You know. Yeah. Great fun. So. So this is a um, this is a question that I asked the. Um, like all the musicians that come on and I don't know I, I just find it fascinating to ask people this because everyone has a different answer do you, do you ever do you practice still? Um, you know what I, I really don't not, 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 not right now no I don't right yeah um, I bring my I take my harmonicas out and you know I'll fart around a little bit um, you know I went to school I went to college for music for like two years um, I took guitar lessons when I was 12 13 14 Never took any harmonica lessons. I just listened to players and emulated what they did. Never spent any time learning the notes at all. No freaking clue what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it doesn't show. That's and, uh, and, uh, and the guitar, um, you know, I play guitar. Cause I, know, I know chords. I know, you know, I know how to play the guitar. And I've got right, a pretty yeah. good rhythm with my hands and stuff. Yeah. Um, but practice, you know, when I go to a gig and play, I mean, that's kind of what, I consider my practice anymore. I mean, if I could get my yeah. band to come together and rehearse, that would be fantastic. <laughs> it's but everybody's got kids, you know, it's so yeah. hard. We got together like uh, about a month ago when Eddie Van Halen died and learned like, you know, eight or nine Betty, you know, Van Halen songs. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And we had coffee and donuts and things. Like, you know, not totally. Not, not like back in the day. No, no, no. <laughs> a bottle of Jack, you know, yeah, and yeah. a piece of meat, you know, on a counter <laughs> that stays there. Get the for, curry nobody going. It, yeah. you know, <laughs> flies flying around. And, uh, you know, we were just smoking weed and having fun. Um, but yeah, they uh, practice. Now, I don't, I mean, I, I would actually like to practice some yeah. and, and get more into it. Um, but um, honestly, I just never, my whole life, never really. Did it. Well, I just you guys played to, so much. You guys have been yeah. together for what, fifteen years or something now? Yeah, I've been yeah. with Gary, my guitar player, for yeah. twenty-eight years. Um, yeah, uh, I've been with Mike and Brad for almost sixteen years now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and we were playing, you know, seven, eight gigs a week for a long time. This yeah. Big band I'm in now, Big Vincent of Fat Cats. Yeah. So you know, we're like, uh, we're like autopilot when we get on stage. Sure. And I can go back. You know, we've learned. Probably 400 songs over the years. Sure. So, you know, we tend to play the same ones, but every once in a while I'll go back and pull out six or seven new ones on a gig, you know. Right, so yeah. we, I never write a set list ever, you know. Right, yeah. I just look at the people and I see what color their hair is. Yeah. And I figure out what they want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't really – So, but I, I bring those songs back and my guys, none of them drink or anything anymore, so they remember everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they they know all the songs and um, that's know. great. And I actually stop drinking when I play now too. I don't drink when I play or yeah. anymore because I enjoy it. I like being yeah. I like being focused. I like being aware. You know, back in the day, it was just I think it was my nerves were shot. I needed yeah. to kill my nerves and like you know calm me down or something. Well, it's a kind yeah. of a spiral, isn't it? You know, I don't want to go on too much about it, but yeah. it's a, the thing the thing with drinking is it's like you drink to calm your nerves, but then it starts making you more anxious, and you drink to stop yourself being so anxious and you just right right so yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. so you know the answer is no i don't practice <laughs> yeah well you know um the reason i ask is because i'm kind of trying to find out what people do and and even most of the people who 
we've had two episodes prior to this and and everyone's just like oh, i play so much that not really no not that, that, that. Mm-hmm. i found that after things we've kind of broached the subject anyway i found that after i stopped drinking i did start practicing again yeah. because i was like oh like i'm i can actually play better and i was excited by it and so i had a brief period where i was practicing a loads because i was just straight up enjoying it i was bored probably well yeah it was the pandemic so it was <laughs> like the middle of the pandemic yeah. what, what do i do with myself yeah, right, yeah, i'll learn yeah. another song i know yeah i was doing that thing where i was like learning richard thompson songs and like posting them on facebook and stuff oh yeah <laughs> um all right so um let's get into uh your uh, before we do that let's talk a little bit about um hellhounds um what, when did when did you start that band? I uh, started that band in um, two thousand and one or two, I think. Right. Um, yeah, I um, I met this guy Johnny B. Miller, uh, who was a really great guitar player, and um, we I forget how the hell we met, but we met and uh, maybe at a gig or something or a show, and uh, we started um, talking about you know music and stuff and uh, yeah. He was really into the Delta Delta Blues stuff, so yeah, uh, yeah. R.L. Burnside and T. Model Ford, all the Fat Possum Records stuff, which was right. pretty cool stuff. It's real yeah. rudimentary, you know, hill country stuff, one chord, one note, drones, you know. Sure. And he played slide guitar. He was a really great slide guitar player. And um, so we started writing. I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a lyricist. You know, I've always yeah. written since I was a little kid. Um, I have um, our family has schizophrenia in our family, so right. um, one of the ways I dealt with the the onset of it when I was like eighteen, nineteen was to write. So I would have dreams every night, really vivid dreams, and I would wake up right after I you know dreamt and had a book next to my bed, and I wrote my dreams, right. free form, wow. never really thinking about <clears throat> making it into a song, just writing what I can remember because you know yeah. you remember bits and pieces mm-hmm. of dreams. Just write all that stuff. So I wrote books and books of, 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 of words and stuff. Right. So I, um, Johnny and I got together and um, we started writing tunes. And um, we wrote, you know, 10, 12 tunes really quickly. Um, yeah. So then we just, so uh, we made a little demo recording. And um, at the time I met Johnny, we both were married and we were so dead set on becoming famous and making it yeah. that we basically assumed the um the mental position of a rock star so yeah. we decided to psych ourselves into thinking that we were going to be rock stars so start acting like rock stars right yeah. start drinking like rock stars <laughs> start doing everything that rock stars do and then you're going to be a rock star <laughs> so and here we are i'm 30 i was 36 years old 37 at the time johnny was like 40 and um so we both got divorced <laughs> our wives were like had it with us so right. we were getting i had i was going down i had to see my divorce lawyer and in west palm beach and i had three thousand dollars cash in my pocket and uh, that was what i was going to give to my divorce lawyer at the time to get my divorce final we got divorced i got divorced in like 2007 and my wife and i bought a house together in 2001 for 110,000 the house was worth 450 when I got when we got divorced. Yeah. So we had some money, thank God. But right. I wasn't divorced yet, so I didn't have any money. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, you know, running all over the country recording and, you know, having fun playing with these guys. Yeah. So anyway, I go to I have some time to kill, so I stop at the uh, the amp shop down in West Palm. Yeah. 
It's a great place. And um, just look at some gear and stuff like that. With the $3,000. With the $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, this, is, this is dangerous. I can see where this is going. <laughs> so this guy walks in the door. Um, it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This guy walks in the door with this bass, old bass guitar case. that has Gibson on it. You know, a big square box. So my eyes go like this, and I look. I'm like, whoa, what's that? So he goes up, puts it up on the counter, and he opens it up. And uh, I hear, hear Barry back there who runs the amp shop. What you got here? He's like, oh, I got this bass guitar that my dad got from some guy, and I want to know what it's worth. So it's a 1966 Gibson Thunderbird, yeah. non-reverse, wow. nice. you know, fire, you know, tobacco, sunburst, whatever, beautiful bass guitar. So the Barry says, uh, well, let me see. Let me look at it. She looks at it. She, opens, she turns it around and everything. I'm looking at it. I'm like, damn, that's a nice bass. I don't even play bass guitar, okay? So I said, I said to the dude, I woke up. I said, hey, man. I'll give you three grand for that bass right now. <laughs> and the guy says, oh, man, I don't know if I want to sell it. He says, it's my dad's bass. And it was given to him by the bass player from ACDC as oh, a present. Wow. wow. I said, well, who's your dad? He says, well, my dad's Donald Duck Don. Right. Wow. So I basically just dropped to my knees like, and just like bawling. I couldn't believe it. Because, I mean, I grew up playing all his shit, you know, all, yeah. that, all that Blues Brothers, Booker T and the MGs, all that you know, everything that that Motown, not Motown, the uh, Stax recording right, yeah. stuff. I mean, I loved all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I had the demo in my pocket, you know, of, of my my um, my album that I just wrote. So I gave it to, it was, it was Jeff Dunn. It was Duck Dunn's son. Right. Who was a big producer and um, he's a road manager for a lot of great, like he was a road manager for... The Thunderbirds and Jimmy Vaughn and all those guys. I mean, he worked with the Black Crows. He was pretty big. His dad yeah. had a big connection, so he got him jobs and stuff. Yeah. Right. So um, I said, check out this album. I just put this album together. I got a band called the Hellhounds and see if you like it, you know. So he took it. He said, all right, I'll look at it, listen to it. So he listened to it, and he's like, I guess he liked it. Then he gave it to his dad. His dad liked it. He called me two weeks later and said, my dad wants to take you to Memphis to record your album. Wow. So I was like, wow. That was like the, you know. Now, was it just the, the two dreams. of you guys on the, no, we had, on the album? No, we had, a, we, had a, we had a band. Full band, yeah. We had a band. Um, we had a Bill Meredith on the drums who was uh, who's the, who's, uh, the writer for the Palm Beach Post, entertainment writer, but he's a drummer too. Right. And I had this guy named Ron Rubbage from Cam Kansas City who was our bass player. He was a phenomenal bass player. Right. Super, Rubbage, super. that's a great last name. Ron Rummage. <laughs> oh, Rummage. Rummage. I thought you said Rubbage. Rubbage, no, no, no. I was like, what a fantastic <laughs> last name. You can, you can use that if you want to. You know. <laughs> Rusty Rubbage. <laughs> I like it. It's a new stage name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, as soon as you get you know, some warrants out for your arrest, you can change it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, so they... Uh, he called me, and we went to Memphis and recorded like three months, four months later. And um, we used um, their drummer. We used Donald Duck Dunn's drummer to record because our drummer was really not that great. And um, this dude was smoking good. And yeah. um, so we used him. We used my bass player who was really good. And then we went recorded at Arden and uh, mastered with a guy named Don Nix who mastered like all Santana's shit and everybody. Right. I mean, this guy was the, the man. And um, it was great. We had a great time. The album came out. We were on the House of Blues Radio Hour with Dan Aykroyd. Uh, we went Nash International. Uh, we were getting ready to go on to um, David Letterman. Yeah. Um, and Become my, rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> my guitar player and I got in a massive fight, uh, and we broke up. God damn. And that was it. Oh, <laughs> man. That was it. 
Yeah. You know, and then I get my $35 check, you know, every quarter from BMI, you know, for my royalties. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I still own the songs, you know, and I could still do something with it. But, you know, we just kind of said, I just kind of put it to bed. Sure. So that's yeah, when I, yeah. you know, I took a break and then started back, started up with uh, Big Vince and the Fat Cats. Gotcha. Okay. So with, with Big Vince and the Fat Cats, um, I know that there's like a lot of, uh, like, I know you could play covers for days and days and days um do you guys write as well i'm not don't know about that. you know it's funny we all write um yeah. and we all have songs and stuff but we're so different um, right gary frost is like he writes tender love songs sure i've got to see these you know he's a sweetheart I like guy, it, yeah. you know i you know i like to write blues and you know and i like to write i write love songs too believe it or not i like to write ballads i love to write ballads but right. i won't play them for anybody because yeah, they're kind of like mine, you know. Gotcha. I won't share them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then Mike and, and Brad, they're both, they both write too. But for some reason, we just never came together. And we, we always talked about it, you know, wanting to come together and write some songs and stuff. But um, the guys never did. And maybe as time goes on, we will. But yeah. um, right now, we're just, you know, when, when I opened up, you know, my Double Roads, the band yeah. kind of, you know, went in the back burner because i was so busy with the restaurant sure but you guys are like uh i mean you guys are, are i hate to use the term house band but you are kind of the house band at, at double rose i mean you guys play there like what once a month or something yeah, once yeah. a month and yeah. that's yeah. what i do with a lot of my bands you know anybody that that does well and that works hard at bringing people in and has a good show and is quality minded and and and, and you know treats it like a business sure. yeah. you know every day is a new business you know every day sure. is, a, is a new so when i open that door it's like a brand new business right yeah when yeah. i shut the door the next day is another business so Great way of looking at that's it. how i look at it so i you know every day every band that i book you know i look at the numbers i look at the way that they are stage yeah. the way they treat people the way that they are interact with their with their clients which people are there to listen to them yeah you know and i always tell everybody that works for me your band is your business and these people you know they're here because they like you. Yeah. Get out there and talk to them. Absolutely. You know, get their name, get their number. You said that call. to me before. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, I built all my bands I've ever been in. Um, you know, we've always had really good followings. We've yeah. always done well. Um, and it wasn't just because we were good. It was because we went out and, you know, we actively tried to build, you know, a business, yeah. Yeah. a following. Because yeah. I know I'm not going to get Joe Blow over here at, at average uh, Joe's to pay me the money that. I want to make if I don't have people coming in. He's not making the money. Of course. Right, so yeah, I've yeah, always been very mindful of that, even before I opened my own club. <clears throat> it's important. You, you know, I, absolutely. I, I, there's nights where I didn't take anything from the bar because I didn't do well. Yeah. You know, I was like, I don't want my money. You just keep it. Right. You know, yeah. uh, I didn't do what I said I was going to do, and I don't do that. So, yeah. Right. You know, my other guys, they'll be like, give me that, give me that, give me that money, man. I got, I got kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. have any kids. So, you know, but I just, I've always very felt very responsible about know the business that i'm working for i think there's um and it's and it's an interesting point that you bring up because i think there's there's different philosophies on this subject because um you know there's there's people out there who view it as um well i suppose it all depends on what you see the band as being because it's either it's either entertainment for the people who are already there right or it's a concert being put on by a group that brings people. Right. You know what I mean? And that's two very different philosophies. Sure. And, and different venues kind of operate under sort of the, the, one of those two kind of viewpoints. It's like, you know, some t of these tiki bars around here, w would it's really more that you're just 
the sounds that are happening in the background. Right. Yeah. Part of the ambiance, you sure. know what I mean? And then, and then you know, Double Roads is just really, uh, it has a bit of a different vibe to it. It's, a, it's more of a music venue, you know, people, people play... People come to see the band who's playing. You know, right. that's the whole focus of it. Yeah. It's a different approach. Um, um, now we're talking about Double Roads. Why, why did you initially open Double Roads? What, what, what was the impetus for that? Um, this is a funny story, but I, I mean, as a musician, you know, I've always wanted my own place. And I think yeah. most musicians share that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that dream, you know. I always wanted my own place. And I always, you know, dreamed about what my place would be like, you know, and spending all those years on stage looking down in the audience and seeing, you know, the server's not, you know, serving this guy's got empty beer and, you know, listening to, watching where they're, you know, how people react to the band and, yeah. you know, where's the stage in relationship to the bar and how does that affect the, the crowd and the party? Sure. How high is the stage and how does that divide the cost, the customers and the people partying from the artists. Yeah. You know, all those things came into my mind about what would be the ideal, you know, situation for a bar. Right. You know, we've all been in places where we played where there's just a mojo there, there's just a there's just an aura, there's just a, yeah. a feeling in the room that yeah. is just perfect. Right, for some reason, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it could be, you know, a shithole, you know, yeah. bar where usually is, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah some yeah. little yeah. like, you know, for instance Ralph's, you know, when I played Ralph's you know, they never had music there before. If they did, it was very minuscule. But you know, I brought that band, my band, there and created an evening um, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, you know, of all the places that I played. Right. Um, and I played a lot of real cool places like that. So, you know, I had a, I had an idea of what I thought what the perfect venue was and the perfect place. So, you know, when I moved to Jupiter here uh, like 30 years ago, um, I used to live next door to a guy who was uh, – an ex-partier who had kids and his wife wouldn't let him out um, at the house because he, he would get drunk and, you know, get in trouble. <laughs> so this dude used to come down to my house and sit on my front porch and we would drink and party and hang out, you know, and he'd talk about, you know, all these stories. And you know how people that drink a lot tell the same stories over and over yeah. again, right? And you, you don't want to say, hey, man, you told me that story again, you know, last week, you know, yeah. you come up with something new, you know. Yeah. So the guy, this, he was an old school local guy of Jupiter, and he was talk, always talking about Double Roads. Well, I wasn't here when Double Roads was formed, but right. Double Roads was a little surf spot on the beach in Jupiter. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love history and I love culture and I love, you know, those vibes, you know, of the old times, you know. Yeah, sure. So when he said Double Roads to me, I said, wow, I love that name, Double Roads. Right. So in my mind, I'm like, live at Double Roads. I'm like, oh, wow. So this was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. So I, I basically started looking for a spot, you know, that I could open up my place. And I know I needed a lot of money to do it. So I, you know, basically I wrote a business plan. I, you know, basically copied one off the Internet and yeah. modified it and put all my numbers in. How much am I going to make the first year? What's my cost going to be to open up and all that? Yeah. And lo and behold, I was right on the money with everything. My first year revenue was exactly the same as what I had predicted. Everything was the same. It was crazy. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. So anyway, I... I had a friend of mine who um, was in the car business, and he had a son who was going to um, to school for hotel management. And the guy had a good bit of money. He was a good buddy of mine, and he knew me for a long time, and he really loved my music, and he believed in me. So I sent him my business plan, and he said, he called me back. Said, no problem. I'll give you the money. He gave me $80,000. I had 20000 of my own money. Um, and so I found a spot, which is where Double Rose is now in Jupiter on US-1. And... Um, you know, I signed the lease, opened, opened the place up. 
on uh, was May, March 30th of 2014. Right. So on May 26th of 2014, we opened. So two months later, yeah. did the build out myself because I'm the contractor. I'm handy and stuff. Yeah. So um, we were um, we were a, just we were a hit from day one. I mean, yeah. the place was just jam packed yeah, all summer I'm, long. You know, I, I was used, here when it opened. I, yeah, I'm living and I'm, I'm one of the first people. I, w- I was in there playing pretty early on. With um, we were lucky to. Well, I think we, I, I for a bit was doing a Wednesdays thing. It was yeah, yes. fun. yeah, I yeah. Remember that? Yeah, and I know. And Kilbillies, we did a couple of things. I for one reason and another, I don't think it, it ever really sp- properly gelled like that with with Kilbillies and Double Res. But we've no. certainly been in and out over the years. You know, you know, it's it's crazy, but you know, some bands I can bring in. Um, like I said to you earlier, um, you know, they're not necessarily what I would like or talented to right. the point where I'm excited about having them. Um, but they have this, you know, this this magic that they have to when yeah. they come together like a band you know is magical when it comes together when you get four or yeah. five guys together that work you can't create it you can't fabricate it yeah. it just happens um yeah. Yeah. so and in certain genres don't go with the clientele that i have exactly so yeah, it really yeah. doesn't have anything That's to right. do with your music it's just about you know you're going to put a lion in a cage with an with a giraffe you know <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know yeah. something bad's going to happen you know but you know it just it just doesn't seem to work you no, know absolutely. so and i understand and that. I, I have a lot of bands that i had you know i could not use i just didn't couldn't find a spot for them yeah and unfortunately you know being in the business it's all about money and i have yeah. to make money i'm yeah. responsible for everybody's jobs my bills so I have to make the decision to hire or not hire. Yeah. yeah. So and I made a lot of people don't like me because of that. You know, how come you didn't hire me? You know, you're you never hired me. You know, boo 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 You know, and I'm like, you know, well, and then I have to explain to them, and hopefully they understand. But sometimes they don't. Yeah. So you know, that's kind of what Double Roads came from. And um, I'm gonna finish my story, but uh, about two months after we were open, the, the guy that gave me the eighty thousand dollars, his son was driving home from school on an afternoon on his motorcycle, and he got ran off the road and broke his neck and died. Oof. So his only son. So he basically, um, at that point, went into total total um, isolation. Yeah. And uh, he said, I went out, and I you know, <clears throat> paid him off in about a year. And that's how I became, my wife and I became the only owners of Double Roads. Right. So, you know, a lot of tragedy, a lot of... Um, yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of... Ups and downs, and that's just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but from the beginning, I mean, it was magic, and it was, you know, it was it was tragic, um, you know. But that's the way it goes. So, um, pretty much everyone knows now that um, you're looking to uh, close the doors on the place. Um, what what are the uh, what? Uh, how come? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, the main reason is that my wife and I are kind of just wore out from the business um you know our relationship our health has been suffering and um yeah we uh just decided that we would kind of take a break our lease was up right after covid you know this whole year um we came through with flying colors yeah you know i served food for people that were hungry i I was trying to do everything i could that came to my mind and that would be good for me good for my spirit good for everyone um so it was a really great experience. Probably the whole, the best experience I had in seven years was the COVID times where I was, my doors were closed and I was giving bar, free barbecue to people yeah. and bakery goods. And I was, you know, helping people out and selling planters that I made, you know, yeah, with yeah. my, 
with my friends to raise money to give to my employees or to buy food for them. You know, we were doing a, a walkthrough uh, groceries, pop-up grocery store in the restaurant every couple weeks, you know, where they would come in and grab food and rice and chicken and veggies and whatever. Yeah, so my amazing. whole staff was getting, you know, food and in all of my customers that needed it were getting food, you know. Yeah, that was awesome. So that was probably the, my favorite time of being open the whole time. Oh, wow. Sure. And I've had some great times there. I mean, yeah. you know, played with Robin Ford. I've had, you know, uh, Spyro Gyro there. I mean, I've had major acts come through, yeah. butch trucks. Um, yeah. I mean, the Sunday Jazz Jams. I mean, it was a the last seven years, I, I'm so, I don't want to say proud, but happy of how it went. It was really amazing. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a roller coaster ride. There was times where I was just like, I don't where am I going to get the money for payroll? You know, why am I going to do this? You know? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, borrowing money from my buddies, you know, give me 10 grand, here's my guitar. I'm old this, you know, I'll give the money back, give me the guitar back, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs. So, and, you know, the, the surroundings, the Jupiter is kind of changing. Um, you know, it's it's growing so fast, and the people that are coming in, I, I just don't know that I'm really interested about being around this situation that's going right now. Right. The neighbors, you know, but the, you know, we have always had problems with parking in that in that, in that unit. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you know, the cops, the town. You know, it seems like live music is under attack, you know, in Jupiter. Um, sure. Well, I think people would say that it's under attack almost globally at this point. But, yeah. But, yeah, but, but I, I see what you mean about Jupiter as well, though. And another well. thing, as I learned over the years, is that, you know, to have the regular old bar with a band in it anymore uh, in a restaurant yeah. doesn't work. You yeah. can't make the money. You can't turn tables. You can't um, charge a cover charge, really. It's hard, you know. Yeah. Um, so the new design that I have for a new venue doesn't fit the room that I'm in. Right. So I want a bigger room with a separate restaurant, a separate venue where I can right. charge tickets to, um, come in. So, you know, elevating the bands, elevating the, the, the experience, right. ch- you, know, you know, changing over tables every half an hour, hour, so you can make money. Right. You know, the, the restaurant bar business and the venue business together is a real tricky thing sure um, it doesn't succeed very well unless you're own the building and you own and you have plenty of money and you're just doing it for fun because you're not going to make a lot of money yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. telling you right now yeah um well, so th- that's th- kind of yeah. why i'm i'm stopping and i also taking a break my wife's father doesn't is not in good health so she okay. wants to spend time with him so there's a but there's a multitude Fair of enough. reasons you know well i think that know? they're all perfectly valid and i'm glad that none of them is just like oh you know i'm just sick of it you know it's not that like, <laughs> i'll never be sick of live music and, wh- yeah. and i'm talking to you now saying you know i don't want to be in the business anymore yeah in that in that in that uh you know area of the business but once I take a month off or a month and a half You'll off, be ready again. I'm going to be itching <laughs> to get back in. And I'm, you yeah. know, I'm looking for a spot. I really want a nice spot in an area and a place where, you know, the culture is is accepting of it. You know, the sure. people are accepting of it. Yeah, I've seen you um, talk about that before, and it's kind of, you know, that kind of, that is a little upsetting for me. I, one of the things that because because you know I, the thought that you might be right about that. The um, one of the things that when I moved to Florida, I found very unusual and really amazing is that okay you might not be able to make a gazillion bucks but you can make money as a musician down here and there's not really that many places you can do that Mm -hmm. and you know if that is a a, you know under attack like you say then that's a bit of a worry you know just well there's there's always going to be you know places to play and in fact they're popping up all over the place right i mean you know you want to play at a sports bar underneath the tv (laughs) in the corner 
for a hundred dollars yeah. or 150 bucks, you can do it all day long. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. depends on what you view your job as right. and how you feel comfortable at it. Yeah. Right? I don't particularly. There's that's why there's no TVs in my restaurant except for one in the corner. Yeah. Um, you know that's why the stage is dead center, and that's why we have a dance floor. The stage is lower, and the tables are up around. The focus of my place is the musician. Yeah, absolutely. People yeah. come to yeah. listen to the music, and that's what I want. And yeah. I want that because I spent so many nights, so many times, playing at sports bars yeah. Yeah. and places where the TV was above me, <clears throat> and someone hits a home run. Oh my we, god! We Happens just last week. We <laughs> just this <laughs> weekend. Literally this last weekend, we just experienced that. Yeah, I the, literally said over the mic, "I can't tell if you're cheering for me or the basketball." Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah the, I mean, the whole like we finished a song and the and the. Or we started it. We started a song, and the bar just erupted in cheers. And I was like, "Wow, they really like that song." And then right. I looked up and realized it was a basketball game above <laughs> right. us. And it was, you know, March Madness. Uh, it was a know. really so peculiar gig, funny. though, because we were killing as well, and people were really enjoying it. And so it was. It it sucks when you're, it sucks when you're dying, and that happens, and, yeah. and you just feel, you know. So I was in this particular situation. We were kind of okay with it because everyone was really enjoying the music as well. It was just sure. cheering for that at the same time. Right. But yeah, that does. It's it sucks, and yeah. the first time that because I came, I came from playing in a band that was you know a show band. We played like forty five minutes an hour. You know, we were, I wasn't used to doing those three hour gigs. And the first time I played in the same room as like sports being on, I just I was horrified. I think yeah. at this point I'm kind of used to it. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I just take I take great offense to it because I don't yeah. particularly like. Yeah. You know, when I come to play at a room, I, I'm there to play and I'm there to kick ass. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I'm, word, I'm there yeah. to put on a show I and I want your well, I've always, attention. Yeah, yeah, I've always said And I'm going to demand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been, I mean, over the years, I've, I've always said, and, and all the bands I've been in, you know, there's there's definitely two types of, there's two types of combinations of band venue, you know, um, of, of the band and the venue. And either, either you're, you know, depending on the venue and depending on the situation and whatever, you're you're either there to entertain those people and they're going to watch you almost like it's a concert regardless if it's a bar and they're having drinks and whatever or you're just background music and you know and and there's been those those venues where where you play at and it's not just the sports playing on the TVs but people were actually like asking you to turn down because I can't have a conversation and I can't right. hear myself talk to my girlfriend yeah. you know and so, yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like yeah there's just you know you're either you're either concert material you know in, in a certain venue and it has no reflection on the, on the band or the quality of the band it's right. it's more so the venues you're either in a concert type you know venue or you're in a background music and can you keep it down a little bit <laughs> yeah i feel like kilberlies has evolved into having two modes having, uh, having like background mode and concert mode yeah you know and yeah and it's not like we like being background mode but sometimes it's sort of required you know what i mean well, no, it's it's good. Uh, I mean, a lot of bands like my band, we have lots of different you know products. We'll call them. Right. You know, we have the four piece band. You can have the three piece band. You can have the two piece band. You can have the one piece band. You can have, you know, yeah. whatever. You know, we have lots of different. Are you, know, you are, are you the one piece in all of those? I'm the one. Yes. Come a little closer piece. to the mic Sorry. if you would. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, okay. the, I'm the one piece. I was gonna say you're the one. You're the one piece. Like, like you, you don't can want have... me by myself. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My my dad had an old joke. Uh, uh, my my dad's from Cuba, and he he had this old joke uh, about a Guido. I don't know if you know what a Guido is, but it's yeah. a, it's a you know the, little, little yeah, it's a little scrapey kind of instrument thing. Okay. And, I didn't know where uh, you were going with that for a minute. Yeah, and so um, 
And so uh, my dad had this old joke where, where the guy, the guy's like, you know, I want to hire the band. And it was like a seven piece band, and it was like some obnoxious number or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he's like, well, what about a five piece band? And he gives him a number, and it's a little bit lower, but it's still obnoxious. And he keeps working his way down, way down, way down. And finally, he's like, you know, and it's got, you know, each each rendition of the band, it's like, you know, you got drums, you got this, you got that, and you got the Guido. And then, you know, <laughs> and then and then finally, the guy goes, man, could you just take the Guido out of it? Clearly, that's the expensive part. And the guy's like, <laughs> the guy's like, no, that's me. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's you in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm the Guido. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the Guido. Yeah, I've been called a Guido before. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, cool. So, um, I guess the last question I have for you before we go and um, play some music together is um, who who are your favorite acts that you've had come through Double Roads? Who, who who's been real special for you in there? Um, well, it was really cool um, when I had Robin Ford come through, um, and that night was really awesome. It was a, it was a, I think it was St. Patty's Day, and um, Robin Ford came in and played. Um, he was, he was super cool guy, and um, and then that night Jonathan Edwards was there, and um, I don't know if you know who he is or not, but. He wrote that song, Sunshine, Don't You Go Away. All right, okay. Yeah. I'll be back wow. tomorrow. And so he uh, he was there. Jonathan Edwards plays harmonica. She's really good at it, actually. Right. Uh, his daughter is a girl named Grace, and um, she's Emmy Lou Harris's daughter that he had with. Anyway, so uh, Jonathan Edwards is on stage with Robin Ford. I was playing uh, Juanita Dixon um, and jo- Jeff Prine. You know who he is? Yeah. Um, and then this other piano player from Philadelphia. It was just such a cool night. I yeah. mean, yeah. we all were so different um, and from different genres and different you know, styles. But when we all came together, it was just unreal. It was yeah. so cool. That was a great time. Um, you know, Spyro Gyro, when they were there, that that was great. Um, Butch Trucks was just miserable. Right. Uh, just a jerk. Didn't like him at all. But I think he was just so old that he... Hated everything. Just didn't care <laughs> so crusty. He was like, yeah. I can't stand Cranky. anything anymore. Cranky. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, the Sunday the Sunday jazz jams were um, amazing. I mean, yeah. we had national stars come through. Yeah. Um, I've come. Mary McPartland who does piano jazz on um, this 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 thing called piano jazz. She was there. I mean, oh, I could I can't even um, remember half the people that came, but yeah. it, it was for a while there. The Sunday jazz was so good. Um, it was just mind blowing the people yeah. that were coming in. I mean, real so, jazz, you know, not, real yeah. jazz. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so talented. Yeah. Um, and then the R and B guys came in and screwed everything up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I play? You know, George Benson, which is jazzy. You know, yeah, yeah. but then they start singing. You know, the, it's more pop, yeah. jazz stuff. Yeah. Right, and yeah. then the blues starts creeping in, and then yeah. the jazz jam dies. Right. Because yeah, yeah. nobody, all the old jazz guys say it's not a jazz jam anymore. Right, yeah. You know, they ruined it, you know, yeah. and that's what happened with my jazz jam. Right. And then okay. COVID came, and, you know, jazz people, unfortunately, I mean, I'm stereotyping, but they're older. They're an older crowd. Yeah. People sure. that like jazz are, sure. are old. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some young kids that like jazz. You know, we got a lot of kids from... from um, what about Austin Cluen? He kills them on the saxophone. You're oh, right? God, yeah, he was great. Yeah. And all those kids from um, Dreyfus who were coming in, yeah, yeah. they were really good. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were so good. Those kids are... Amazing, but sure. you know they're very far a few between, and, and the the old guys to me are like the best guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. The old jazz cats, you know, they're the ones that know how to do it. Right. I I taught that kid Austin um, over at School of Rock for a bit, and um, it was funny. It was, it's like, 
at a certain point, he he. There was a point when I was better than him, right? And then there was a point that when I wasn't, and it just went like, he <laughs> <laughs> just went past yeah. me like that. And it was, uh, it was so cool yeah. to watch. But you can still teach someone if they're better than you. You just have to figure out ways to challenge them. You know what sure. I mean? And so that's what I ended up doing. But um, it was just wonderful to watch him develop. I think yeah, I'll tell I mean, you. it was wonderful for me too. Yeah, and that's part of the. The, my favorite, one of my other favorite parts about Double Roads is the, um, the, um, you know, seeing the young kids come come into themselves, you know, into their playing, and you know they come on my stage, you know, they're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then I'm now they're twenty, twenty one, and they're playing in bands, and they're, you know, they're really good at what they yeah. do, and they're very serious about it, and uh, yeah, they have you know a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of passion for it, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know that part i hope that i influence them you know and help them i think i did you know you yeah. know getting stage time when you're young is hard to get that's huge yeah. you know huge and uh, to put them on a you know, on a stage and i did that a lot with a lot of kids yeah i mean i threw them to the wolves man and yeah. you know they either sank or swam you know swam and a lot of them did pretty well yeah so i mean a lot of them are out you know playing like jake walden is doing great and he's one of my little prodigies and yeah um he's a great player you know, royal royal hayes who was another really great guitar player He's not really doing anything now, but he really was coming along really nicely. Yeah. You know, Austin Cluen or whatever. Was, uh, and all this, so many other ones. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, enjoyed that. Well, it's, it's going to be a huge loss for the area, and we can't mm. wait to see what you do next because, um, you know, just having, just knowing, knowing that you've even got plans in the works is uh, a comfort. And because, uh, you know, the area has absolutely been enriched by Double Roads. And thanks so much for doing over the last few years. Uh, I know that the community very much appreciates it. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, let's, uh, why don't we go and uh, try and play a song together? Let's see what we can come jam. up with here. Yeah. All right. Okay, this, this song's about my Uncle Guido. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here we go. Well, I went down to Cuba, baby, try to get me a job. Down to Cuba, baby, trying to get me a job. But I didn't like no Italians down there, baby, as we didn't have from the mob. I came down in my boat, just a rowing away. I came down in my boat, just a rowing away. Took me 69 and one half days. I said, blow, 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 wind. Blow, 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 baby. Blow, 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 south wind. I gotta get there soon, but I'm about to run out of gin. My name is Guido, I'm an Italian man My name is Guido, baby, and I'm an Italian man But I just look like all you Cubans down here in Cuba land Blow, 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 blow,
baby But I gotta get back to Florida man Pass the olives, would you? <laughs> that was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. You, you, uh, you got to get up there and and, and play as well, which I'll, was fun. I'll take any excuse <laughs> to play with Vince. Hey, yeah, man. yeah, that was that, yeah, that was, was awesome. Fun. And uh, and uh, you know, who doesn't love a song about a Guido and a Cuban, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, there's honestly there's a joke in there somewhere about that. A Guido, <laughs> Guido and a Cuban walked into a bar. Oh wait. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna take a minute real quick and uh, and thank our sponsor. Um, our sponsor um, uh, is basically Dave's uh, Dave's handyman and mechanical services. So uh, you know Ben, um, you know I, I believe you've used Dave in the past for for some stuff. So have you ever just you know walked into your house and there's all these daunting repairs? You don't know where to begin. You don't know what to do. Um, you know you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, for the ladies out there, it's probably tragic if you have a honeydew list and no honey to do it. So, uh, so that's where, that's where Dave comes in. Dave's uh, handyman and mechanical services. Uh, Dave can handle all sorts of home repairs. He does wood replacement, drywall. Um, he does some, uh, you know, some light plumbing, electrical stuff. Um, I think he just, uh, he just did some stuff in handlebars, didn't he? Yeah, he's th- so he's done a fence in my backyard to split the garden in half. Did a wonderful job with that. Nice. He's, he's built um, a, a, a big fence down in Palm Beach Gardens for me around a whole property and also um in the front of um handlebars which uh, used to be judy's which is a bar that my father-in-law and i and some others have um reopened he's built the deck out front so if you nice. want proof of his work go go to handlebars and check it out it's where yeah. the bands are going to be setting up right there on, uh, in the front of the building and if you can't get dave you can call me um big vince <laughs> big vince's handyman service because i'm going to be out of work soon and i'm going to need something to do big, big vince will be closing i have tools so and, uh, give and I'll dave, play harmonica for you give dave a call 561-671-9273 that's 561-671-9273 if you're uh, if you're listening if you're watching the podcast we'll splash the graphics up on the screen it'll have the phone number. Um, you can also reach him at DaveLHandymanService at gmail.com. I can promise um, you that he's um, he's a man of his word. He shows up on time and does his work well. Yeah, just let Dave handle all that stuff for you and do all your home repairs and then you won't have to. Um, I know I hate doing it and I will actually be calling Dave probably <laughs> tomorrow because I have a list of things that have been tasked to me by my wife that, uh, that uh, if she's listening, I swear I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to call Dave and I'm just going to have Dave do it, so that's that. Uh, so, yeah, give Dave a call, guys, and we thank him. Uh, we thank him enormously for sponsoring this this episode. Um, you know, that's uh, that's very awesome. And if anybody's listening out there and you want to sponsor an episode, uh, shoot us an email, um, uh, hit us up on Facebook, send us a private message, uh, smoke signals, whatever you want to do, and uh, and sponsor an episode. Um, so far, the episodes have been doing really well, and uh, our sponsors have been getting contacted. So that's that's a good thing. Totally. Yep. So um, we usually finish this up by um, talking about things that are happening this weekend. Do you have a, a, a list there? I, I do, and I gotta, as usual, put on my eyeballs because I, you know, I'm getting old, and it's, it's getting to the it's getting to that point in my life. Um, so uh, actually, this weekend, um, since Vince is uh, Vince is really Vince and the Fat Cats, and and uh, you know, big Vince and the Fat Cats. Um, 
you don't really have any shows this weekend per se. Um, I figured I would take this opportunity to kind of plug the shows you have at Double Roads this weekend. Yeah, so, thanks. so Friday, uh, five thirty is the Leafy Greens, which incidentally will be on our podcast here in a few weeks. Yeah, they're great. Um, Nine p.m. Bombshell. Um, they're pretty amazing. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday, five thirty. Scott. Benj, is yep. it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Scott Benj at 5.30, and then at 9 p.m., The Groove. Um, and then, as we mentioned before on the podcast, uh, Double Road sadly is closing. So the last show is April 24th, and that will be Big Vince and the Fat Cats. So yeah, that will be sure a party. You, you absolutely have to get down there for that. Um, and then uh, um, Killbillies. You know, we always mention Killbillies. So Friday we're at Brick and Barrel, full band, and Saturday we're at Walking Tree Brewery full band. Sunday, Ben will be at Handlebars. Um, That's doing, right. And if you haven't been gig. up to Handlebars yet, come pay us a visit. It's just on US One in Tequester, and um, it's a uh, it's a it's a piece of the furniture in Jupiter Tequester area. Um, I, I know um, you know as as long as it, it's been a biker bar forever, and I, I know you you know the gu- the guys that, that used to run Judy's real well, don't yeah. you? And you yes, helped them yes. out in the past. I have. I yeah. I, bu- I did the build out when they first opened. Um, the interior for them and yeah. um, spent a lot of time hanging out there drinking uh, those uh, dark Guinness beers and eating the uh, the schnitzel. Yeah. Which you don't have anymore, but no, the we... burgers are great and uh, you guys have great food over <laughs> Well, there, we talked so. about one of your bikes off camera here and off, yeah. off thing and, yeah. and so I have to bring it up now. Yeah. Did, is, is that the bike that you rode there? Oh, yeah. I rode it everywhere. That That's bike amazing. with the bones. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For those of you that, uh, yeah, that don't know, um, I used to have a band. Uh, I was in this band called Crush way back in the day and I used to practice in, in Vince's warehouse. We were one of many bands that practiced there, I believe. Yep. And um, Vince had a bike there that he was building out at the time or something and it basically had had bones for handlebars. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life, and uh, and yeah, it, it ran and, and he drove it everywhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so it was very well well known in town for the, yeah, for the bone awesome. bike. The bone bike. That's that man. I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dig up some old pictures of that thing. Yeah, I, I've got a couple. Yeah, I'll yeah, show yeah. you for sure. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, for the viewers. Maybe we'll splash a photo a of the bone of bike on there. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Well, um, thanks and, so much yeah. for uh, thanks so much for coming on, Vince. Sure. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll see you around town. I'm I'm, I'm gonna try and get out to that um that last date over at Double Roads. I think I regret it if I don't. Cool. And um, for sure. Yeah, and so the, this has been five six one music. Thanks so much for tuning in. You got anything yeah. to say there, Hector? Uh, yeah, next next week our guest is Spread the Dub. I'm excited about that. Yeah, those guys are stalwarts down here. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're fantastic band. Can't wait to chat to the guys. We still don't know how many of them are going to show up, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks awesome. a lot. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you.